Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for joining me at my little corner of the internet this Friday. Today, I am very excited to have a brand new guest on the show with me today. John Amanchukwu is here today. He is a graduate of North Carolina State University. He played football there. He got his master's degree from Liberty University, and he is an incredible speaker of truth into the culture. Over the past four years, he has led a 40-week prayer walk for love of life at one of the busiest abortion clinics in the Southeast. We've had them on the show several times, married to his beautiful wife, Crystal, for 14 years and have three children. And today we're going to talk about his new book, Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys, so we're going to jump right in. A lot of stuff happening in the culture right now. You guys are following my schedule online, and you can find me uh, all over the country for the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be in Pigeon Forge uh, for the Teach and Diligently Conference, and I'm going to be keynoting twice uh, for both of the uh, homeschool experiences that are being held at the Ark Encounter. I'll be speaking in Detroit after that and keynoting uh, for the Mother's Day service at Abundant Life Church in Missouri. I hope you guys will come out to Lee's Summit. So if you guys are in the area, you know my people in Lee's Summit. I cannot wait to see you for Mother's Day. Uh, come on out. It's going to be wonderful. I am very thrilled to have a new friend on the show with me today. I met him through mutual friends, through the Benham Brothers, and we spoke together at an event last year. Uh, John has a powerful voice, and you're going to see that in just a minute. He God has given him uh, not only the voice, but also the passion to speak truth to power into the culture right now. We have discussed the issue of critical race theory and abortion dozens of times here at the show over the years, particularly as it relates to the indoctrination that's coming in through our public school system. And when I heard John speak, something inside me was like, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord, for bringing this this uh, this voice uh, to the country for this time in history. He's agreed to come on the show and I want to welcome him today. Hey, my friend, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Heidi. It's a blessing to be on your show today. Well, it's a joy for me to have you. We've been planning on this for a long time. And I'm just really curious, since this is the first time I've had you here, uh, you, you're you really, I mean, you're jumping into the deep end of the cultural divide right now. There are not two issues that are more deeply divisive in, in today's culture. Maybe gender, the issue of gender uh, right now, and transgenderism specifically, but for you to tackle this issue of critical race theory and abortion at a time when it is one of the most hotly discussed topics on college campuses, pastors are running from the topic. I don't know what to do with it. Why is it that you have decided uh, to to talk about this this topic right now? Well, you know, I believe that we shouldn't allow CN, CNN rather and MSNBC and all of the media outlets to define these issues and to tell us what we should think. I believe that the mm. church should stand up and have a message towards what's going on as it relates to critical race theory and yeah. abortion. You know, I believe when a pastor says that I can't talk about politics because, you know, I don't want to turn off my congregation and it's not biblical, which is not true. Uh, I believe right. that they're sitting in the seat of cowardice. Yes. You know, I, I believe yeah. that pastors should give a biblical understanding and depiction of what the Bible says about these issues of our time. Mm-hmm. And we know that critical race theory is steeped in racism, right? To look at whites and to call them inherently racist is racism, you know, at, yes. at its core. And abortion was founded upon and steeped in abortion, Margaret in uh, racism. Margaret mm-hmm. Sanger did not want blacks to 
exist. She called them human weeds, you know. And so I believe that pastors should speak to these issues and we need more preachers to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And it's amazing. I love that you just said what it is. And I have been saying this for years here. My husband was a pastor, as you know, for 20 years. We spent 30 years in full-time ministry. I've never seen more cowardice from the pulpit uh, than I see right now. And it is hurting us because the church should be at the front of these issues and not at the back of them. We're We're the head and not the tail. And yet what we see happening in the culture right now is not the picture of uh, of us as Jesus declared us to be, but rather people who are letting the culture define the church. And you're really stepping into a, uh, into that gap right now to say, no, 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 we got to stop doing it this way. Yes, I am. Um, I can recall the summer of 2020. You know, this is where God gave me the vision and desire to even write the book, uh, Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. While being at one of the busiest abortion clinics in the Southeast, I had a uh, black gentleman come out and say to me, why are you out here fighting a white man's issue? Wow. And and on that day, on that Saturday morning, there were um, nearly 70 percent of the people in the clinic that day were black prepared to have an abortion. But nearly 70 percent of the people outside trying to save those babies were white. And so you're going to call me, you're going to call this a white man's issue, but the majority of the people outside trying to save the babies are white, trying to save our people. And this is, this is at the height of Black Lives Matters, you know? And since uh, Black Lives Matter, shouldn't babies matter as well? And he's going to tell me that I'm fighting a white man's issue. And, and I hear messages like that all of the time. I believe that the Black church has failed the black community by and large by not speaking to these issues. Mm. You know, we, we, we can uh, have hoodie services and March, you know, we can get down with Al Sharpton and Reverend Jesse Jackson when a black man is, is killed by an, a white officer. But when it comes to the nearly 900 black babies that are being aborted every day in our country, everyone is silent and mute. And that is mm-hmm. a travesty. It is a travesty. And actually, if we're if we're going to tell the truth about it, abortion is a genocide on the black community. Most of the abortion clinics are put in inner cities and black communities. This was done by design, by the way. Margaret Sanger uh, did this by design. You're absolutely right. Planned Parenthood racist at its core, absolutely built on a foundation of racism. Black Lives Matter. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a a guest on and we were talking about Black Lives Matter. And uh, he rightly pointed out that Black Lives Matter doesn't care about black lives. It's a political machine. This is These are political ideologues. They don't care about the black unborn. They don't care about black police officers. They don't care about black conservatives. They only care about you if you're black and you want to follow their political ideology. And yet the church fell for it hook, line and sinker. And we changed our we changed our our, our avatars, you know, into the black square for solidarity. What foolish people we are not to uncover. So talk to us a little bit about uh, critical race theory, which really, you know, Patrice Cullors, if you look into the Black Lives Matter organization steeped in this in this uh, demonic ideology, uh, talk to us a little bit about the history of uh, critical race theory, because it stems out of critical theory. Yes. So um, CRT, critical race theory, they believe that everywhere in society, there is racism. Right. And so the the, the mere fact, you know, that a black person may not make it to Harvard or they won't get accepted into a certain school, then they can point um, to, towards racism and say that's the issue. Or 
if a person chooses not to uh, apply hard work and ethics towards their life, you can blame that upon racism and not the fact that the person didn't do anything. They didn't they didn't study. They didn't go to college. So therefore, they're not going to be prosperous. And so CRT seeks to frame everything through the lenses of racism, you know, and um, one of the things that I've seen um, lately is that uh, have you noticed how uh, white liberals are silent when it comes to critical race theory? They don't have much to say about it. You know, I believe that the intent of critical race theory is to turn blacks against whites in general, but against white Republicans in particular. It's a political tool to divide blacks further away from the conservative movement and to keep us in this position of being angry and seeking reparations. And uh, we don't have to have hard work, you know what I mean, or ethics or morals. No, someone owes us something. And they're even pushing that upon our children in our public schools, that's that's a shame. You know, I don't want my son or daughter to be taught to hate this country and to hate America and to hate hate our flag, you know, and to kneel uh, during the Pledge of Allegiance like uh, Colin Kaepernick, you know, and that's the society that we have created as we've allowed these monsters to come into our public school system and to push these false ideologies and, and agendas. It's that's right. And I'm wondering, you know, as as we're watching this thing unfold and you're absolutely right to speak to the division, we know because the Bible teaches us that a house divided against itself is not going to be able to stand. And so it's just further division. We're dividing us along uh, political lines, dividing us along uh, the color of our skin. And I think it's interesting that that uh, someone would say to you, you know, why are you caring about a white man's issue as you're standing in front of an abortion clinic, the abortion a movement largely targeting the black community. And it's interesting, they said the same thing to you, that the same message is coming out of critical race theory that has been told to men for generations when it comes to abortion. And the abortion, the pro-aborts will say, well, you're a man, you can't speak to the issue of abortion because you don't have a uterus. And I think what a foolish, foolish thing to say. It takes a man and a woman to create a baby. And so surely the man should have an equal say in whether or not the life of that baby is destroyed. And yet through a, a, a really faulty thinking and a lack of critical thinking on the part of most of our young people right now, many men have bought that lie. And so they don't speak into the issue of abortion and women need men to speak into it. And white people don't speak about critical race theory because, well, I'm not black, so therefore I can't speak to it. No, but can you see racism? Can you, can you, can you define racism? And so that's why I think your voice is so important you being black, my voice is important. Me being white, evil is evil. I don't care what color your skin is. Right. I, I agree with that. I'm getting ready to, to make a statement or, or quote a scripture that's not popular today. According to Genesis 5 and 2, the Bible says that God created us male and female. Stop it. All right. I, I'm not supposed Come to on. say that. You know what I mean? Come but, on. But, but, but thank God for Elon Musk. I can post that on, a, <laughs> on, on Twitter and it, I won't be banned. You know, right. I don't know where, right. where this will go, but hey, man, they might shadow ban us from me. See, saying that's it. what everybody's saying right now. Everyone's like, we're we're kind of excited to see Elon buy Twitter, but everyone's like, yeah, but what does that mean? Like, n- n- you know, the the story hasn't been written yet, so we don't know if it's just going to be his version of censorship, you know, where it used to be, you know, another version. But I think that that to unleash the uh, the conversation, to be able to say from the position of a woman to a man, 
please speak into the issue of abortion. We, your voice is needed. Uh, all voice are, voices are needed. And for a, a black man to be able to say to a white woman, please speak into the issue of racism. What we need is godly voices. We need wisdom. We need discernment. And those voices have been largely shuttered in the last uh, 40 years. Yes, I agree with that. You know, um, and I bring up Genesis 5 and 2 because, you know, God created the male first. You know, and and so in his system, you know, God set up patriarch, you know, uh, the Bible is clear on those things. And I believe that men should have a voice as as relates to their family. You know, men shouldn't sit in the seat of I'll be silent because I don't have a uterus. You know what I mean? But I I, I don't have a uterus, but I have a seed. And and in order to create a child, you need my my seed. You know, and so so the man should speak up to the issue. We've seen. Oftentimes when men d- desire to be involved in a child's life, 85% of the time, the mother will keep the baby. If dad mm-hmm. is involved and speaks up and says something um, about it, you know, men mm-hmm. should speak up. Men shouldn't be silent. You know, I'm against all this toxic masculinity garbage that's going on today. You know, we, right. we, we want to make men uh, effeminate, soft, frail. And weak, yeah. you know what I mean? But yeah. no, men, yeah. men should stand up and speak to these issues because they should lead their families. They should be involved. Oh, oh man, I couldn't. This is a great. I got to take a break. But uh, I love that you've jumped into that because when we come back, I really want to tackle the issue of the feminist movement and why we need men to be men. Uh, we'll be right back. All right, ladies, I know what kind of a beating good towels can take. Believe me, with seven kids, towels are used for everything from cleaning up an accidental spill on the kitchen floor to drying off your four-legged buddy. You want your towels to stay soft and absorbent when you need it most for bath time, right? Well, my towels from my pillow are the best towels ever. They come in seven colors, have a 10-year warranty, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Seriously, it's a game changer. Listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast can get up to 66% off by going to MyPillow.com and using the promo code Heidi or by calling 1-800-447-0541. Well, thanks everybody for uh, taking a break with us. We're back uh, talking about some of these really hot topics as cultural issues right before the break. John jumped into some pretty deep water. You like to do that, I see. Like, you're just like, where's the deep end? Take me there. I'm going to jump right in. And you you said the culture is saying, and this is absolutely true, men should be effeminate. You know, Gillette came out and said that masculinity is toxic. We've heard, you know, dozens now of woke professors and ridiculous uh, young people who have really been indoctrinated to believe that we the society doesn't need men. And all you got to do is come here to the Pacific Northwest where I live and you're going to get an eyeful, right, of what it means to erase men from our culture and to replace them with something in the image of, uh, of women. And it's very, very sad because if you talk to women like me, we, we know inherently that men are born protectors and providers and we are nurturers and caretakers. And that doesn't mean that we can't protect and that we can't provide. But this idea that somehow uh, the roles need to be reversed and a man who wants to protect and care for his family is somehow toxic is a lie from the pit of hell. And you're speaking directly into that. Why is it so important that we get this right? Well, we have to get it right because God set forth precedence. He gave us order and structure. You know, uh, there are reports that, that are being released right now that say that kids who are LGBTQ, you know, oftentimes they have a higher rate for suicide. 
You know, yeah. I'm not surprised by that. You have the created fighting against the creator. It's not going to work. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 14 and 1 that the fool have said in his heart that there is no God. We cannot change God's order or system, you know. And it's a travesty today that we're allowing men to even compete in women's sports. You know, we allow them to jump in the pool and swim against our daughters. It's absurd. It's absurd. I'll be the first to tell you, if that ever happens at a swim meet with my daughter, that yeah. guy is not getting in the pool. Right. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm calling for You're going to drag your toxic masculinity right on over there <laughs> and show him what it looked like. That That's right, because my daughter has trained and prepared to be the best swimmer. So therefore, you're not going to jump in the pool and compete with her. You know, we need more men to stand up, you know, and draw the line in the sand and say, you know what? This is not going to happen. Not under uh, my, not on my watch. I don't play the whole alphabet or pronoun game. You know, you are what you are. We cannot assign a person's gender to them. God assigns gender. Mm, we don't we, right. we don't get to do that. You know, just mm-hmm. because you have this voice in your head that tells you that you're Sarah, but you're really Tom. I'm not going to play along with that game. I'm going to love you, you know what I mean, with, with the truth of God's word. I'm going to love you to repentance, but I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, we've been playing around in this big charade for far too long and it's damaging upon our children. It's really child abuse. It is. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. Well, and and it is a, it shows a tremendous lack of courage and you nailed it right on the head. At the beginning of the show today, a tremendous lack of courage coming from the pulpit, a tremendous lack of courage coming from uh, men and women who really know better. You know, we saw uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson just get appointed to the Supreme Court the other day, who shamefully would not even define a woman. And I, I, I got on my show after that, and I said, it's not that she can't define a woman; it's that she lacks the political courage to do so. She's not confused. She knows what a woman is. She knows that when she looks at me, I'm a woman, and when I look at her, you know, when you look at her, that she's a woman. She knows that. But it's a lack of courage. And uh, Pastor Rob McCoy, who was on my show uh, a week and a half ago, said something brilliant. I hope he's quoted all over the place. He said, uh, it, in, in the face of a lack of courage, truth was an orphan. You know, and, and we have in and that is a, that's the culture right now. We have this orphan that is truth. And where is the church to stand in defense of the truth? Well, a lack of courage has brought forth this season where we no longer can tell the truth even about something as basic as male and female. Right. Yeah. What a shame it was when um, Kentaji uh, Brown Jackson would not define what a woman was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, when does life begin? You know, and she says, right. I, 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 don't I don't know. know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And she says, I'm, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a biologist. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, we, oh my goodness! But that was a that was a meme goldmine goldmine. You, you got to admit, like the the internet loved that, you know. So, uh, is it raining outside? I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist, you know. I mean, the the jokes are going to go on for generations, but the 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 fallout isn't funny at all. No, it's it's not. You know, I believe that America is in trouble, mm-hmm. and that God is soon to send judgment. You know, when you look at Second uh, Samuel chapter 21, um, Saul killed the Gibeonites, you know, and God did not want him to do so because the Gibeonites had made an agreement with Israel, you know, that they will live in the land and they were allowed to do so. But Saul went and killed them 
And 30 years later, after Saul was dead, David was on the throne. God visits that sin upon David's leadership, you know, and sends a plague for three years. Right. And after the third year, David says, man, I need to go to Gibeon and figure out what's going on. And God shows and reveals it to uh, David that, you know, this is because of Saul and what he did when he slew the Gibeonites. You know, we've been going through COVID-19 for almost three years. And yep. God has sent judgment upon this country simply because yep. we've shed innocent blood, right? You know, um, and I, I do believe that for what we've done in this country since 1973, the shedding of innocent blood, we're now defying God's truth by saying that we don't know what a man is or a woman is. You know, we, we've become so immoral. And even yeah. the church has lost its uh, biblical worldview. Yep. We no don't. We, we see the world through the lenses of our truth, right? That that, that Oprah Winfrey. Thank stuff. you, Oprah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yep, that Oprah junk. You know what I mean? I, I have my yeah. truth. You have your truth. No, the Bible says, "Let God be true, and every man a liar." We don't have a truth, right? Until I can create a universe, create a world, right? Until I can have the ability to create male and female, I don't have a truth. We have God's truth. And that is the truth that we need to hold to. And I also want yeah. to talk about an individual today. His name is Raphael Warnock. And, uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the shame and the blot, you know, on black culture that he has been. You know, he, he, he led the church that um, MOK used to pastor. And this guy comes out and says that he's a pro-choice pastor. Yeah. You know, which leads his congregation to believe that, hey, we can be Christians and uh, pro, pro Kill our children, you know, I mean? you know uh, pro abortion. And that's, yeah. that's that's not God's will. That's not God's order. You know, abortion is the leading cause of death in our country. You know, not heart disease, not tragic accidents, you know, but abortion. And we need our pastors to speak to that. You know, we need to get back to God's word. You know, we need pastors to start preaching God's truth again. You know, most most of our sermons today is, you know, five minutes of scripture and and 40 minutes of personality. We need to flip that. <laughs> wow. We know we need, we need to get back to telling people about this, you know, yeah. and less yeah. about our cat and our dog and our vacation that we took. That was so wonderful. Yeah, those, mm -hmm. those stories are nice for application, but we need God's truth because people are lost. It's so true. And as I, I you know, I think about, uh, where we've come, because I remember I was just talking about this at an event I spoke at uh, a couple of days ago. I remember sitting on my couch, you know, in the 80s, and I first heard Oprah Winfrey talk about her truth. And I remember scratching my head thinking, is that? I thought there was just one truth. Like my granddaddy told me there's one truth and his name is Jesus and all truth comes from him. And so I, I, and I didn't think the implications, I don't think any of us did, but we're going to have to work very, very diligently and and with uh, under the fear of God now to restore truth uh, and to bring it back to the forefront of the conversation. It's why I love uh, what you're doing. It's why I stand in the back of the room when you were speaking and just hooting and hollering. I was like, yes, uh, because there is a call on your life similar to the call on my life. It's the one that God says, this is the truth, speak it. And it's not popular right now. So when you, when you talk about uh, abortion, being a genocide, which it is, and you talk about the lie of critical race theory, 
It's not like people are lining up and going, hey, I'm going to give you a, you know, you're going to get the front page of the New York Times today. No, they're going to make fun of you and say that you're stupid and call you a fascist and a transphobic and a homophobe and all the things. But they didn't love Jesus' message either. And so you, you're you passionate about this. Tell, uh, we've got about uh, two minutes left. I really want to talk about your book and I want people to find out how they can get a hold of you. Yes, so... The book um, I, I told you earlier, uh, why God gave me the vision to to write to write the book. You know, during the summer of 2020, hearing that gentleman tell me that you know I'm, f- I'm fighting a white man's issue. You know, while BLM was burning down our cities and neighborhoods yeah. and doing all the, all that madness. You know, yeah. it, was, it was pandemonium. It was it was helter skelter for a while. You know, the Lord gave me a vision to address these issues and to speak to it. You know. As a black millennial aged uh, pastor, you know, something needs to be said, something needs to be done. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't sit in the seat of cowardice. I can't be quiet. You know, I can't be neutral. I have to speak to these issues. And so uh, the book um, will be li- released August 1st. Um, I'm taking pre-orders at this time. You can go to uh, johnamanchukwu.com to pre-order uh, the book. I even have uh, two chapters in the book wh- where I deal with the role of the black minister and the role of the white minister. I believe that everyone has a role, you know, and everyone has a method by which God desires for them to lead through. And the answer is not critical race theory. You know, we don't need another theory. We have God's word. You know, and the Bible tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we do that well, we won't need any woke terms. We won't need these cheap $5 terms (laughs) to solve the problems of our day. No, we need to get back to God's word and the Bible and the Bible gives us um, clarity for that. And the book, you know, is biblically integrated. You'll see throughout the book where I make the connections between uh, scripture and what's going on today in the culture. So I look forward to everyone having a chance to read it. Purchase a copy of my book. And listen, if you want to know what God says about these issues, you want to read Erased. I love that. And you're available for speaking. You've started uh, heading yes. out there on the speaking circuit. Yes. And can they contact you through your website as well? Yes, you can. Go to johnamanchukwu.com. I wish my last name was shorter. I was going to say, dude, you should do like John A. Like, is there like a U? Like John A. That's so much easier. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can, maybe John, you can <laughs> I know we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to give you like like another URL that we can jump to because everyone's like how do I spell that but here here's the thing so I will link back to it in the show notes today but uh John Amanchuku you are a gift to the culture I think right now to the church in particular I hope that you can infuse these pastors with courage it is so needed I as you're talking uh you know I I uh, I, I spoke for a women's conference and went through the book of Revelation at my ministry to women, Mom Strong International, and I taught on the book of Revelation for about three months. And the, one of the things that I noted at the end, you know, when when the judgment was being passed down, it wasn't just the thieves and the liars. At the very beginning of that list was cowardice. And, uh, and uh, I don't think that people realize how much God hates it. Like all throughout his word, he says, be strong and courageous. You know, whose kid are you anyway? You know, either your sons and daughters are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, or you're not. And if you are, act like it. Speak the truth as it as God reveals it in His Word, and that's what you're doing. And I'm so, so, so blessed uh, to see you out there. And I just, uh, you'll have to come back. Tell us how you're doing. You're going to be with Kirk Cameron too, right? With the American Campfire Revival. 
exactly. He brought me on as a speaker, and I'm excited about that. Uh, Kirk is a blessing to the body of Christ. He has a movie coming out soon, uh, which is going to be phenomenal. Um, I want to say to the pastors out there, you are a watchman and not a water boy. Get off the bench <laughs> and get in the game. You know, that's that's where the war is. That's where the spoils are won. You know, don't be a water boy. Be a watchman. Speak truth to power. And if it empties your church, stand on God's truth. If it fills your church, stand on God's truth. But when the Lord comes, hold truth up at all times. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor John Amanchukwu, just a blessing to have you. Come back again. I'm going to see you in a few weeks at the Ark Encounter. Looking forward to that. And in the meantime, please say hi to your family for me. I appreciate having you on. God bless you. Thank you. You're welcome. For more information on John Amanchukwu and his new book, Erased, go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. I will link back to it in the show notes today. And I hope you guys are blessed and encouraged by this. Love your families well today. You guys, the issue in the culture is truth. This is a battle for truth and it cannot be lost. This is where the church needs to engage. And I hope you'll do that today, starting right at home with your own children. Thanks for listening to everybody. And I will see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture.